Hallelujah, hallelujah. All the glory and the honor is to the Lord Jesus. Oh, let us worship Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. He which was, which is, and which is to come. He is the Almighty. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You may be seated. The other day when we were here, our brother here sang a song, Take My Life. I never heard it before. And it impacted me. I found it on YouTube, sent it over to Asia right away. And then uh, let them know I want it ready when I get back. <laughs> Amen. And I do appreciate uh, Brother and Sister Hughes and the ministry that God has given to them here. When you read the book of Jeremiah, he says he will give people, his people, pastors after his, meaning God, after his own heart. To be after God's own heart has a lot more to it than I'm going to talk about tonight. But when a man realizes his limitations, his inadequacies, his inabilities, that makes him to be totally dependent upon God. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to be dependent upon Him for everything. Amen? That goes for everybody in the church. Not just the pastor and his wife. Amen? Sometimes I think we we get up here and we're talking and we we go back and we come back the next service and we're expecting to see some progress in what we have laid down and people are sitting there like they didn't hear what we said the last time. People are the same around the world. Hey, most of you guys know me. I'm normal. Well, I'm not normal, but don't, don't worry about that. I said to Celicia the other day, at least I can go back to a place to where I understand why they don't understand me. <laughs> Praise God. I'll give you a little update. Gail, you want to do it? Yeah. Stand up and say hello. Yeah. I'll give you a little update since we left. Uh, matter of fact, the last service we were in, you were here, Brother Alexander. Yeah, I, I thought about you many times and prayed for you. Uh, first time I met you was here. And uh, now I'm meeting you again. And some of the things that you said to me at the end of the service, I gave into great consideration. Uh, you don't remember what they are, but I do. And uh, th th there are difficulties around the world uh, among people because people have problems. Uh, and that's only because they let them remain as problems rather than to turning them into challenges. When you make something a challenge, then you can be an overcomer. When you have a problem, you're always knocking on the pastor's door because you're not going to bother God with it because God's already told you what to do with it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Do you know what, how much counseling I do in Asia? About all I have done in the past one minute. <laughs> Amen. Well, why? Why? Because well, I'm not a pastor. I don't have to. <laughs> I trained the pastors. All right, since we left here last uh, year, about this time, went back over, 
And I'm home for th- this time. We thought we'd be gone by now. This has been a slow process of us getting done what we need to get done. I have never had it go so slow here as uh, this trip back home. Uh, transplant center changed my appointment to later on and all of this. And, okay, whatever. I'm just going to flow with it. But uh, since we left, we had a, a church we started. Now that, that you, some of you really know me, that I'm really crazy and normal at the same time, I, had, I prayed for a group of people that I said, Lord, I've converted people in all these nations, and they're all nationals. But everybody around the world has Filipinos, and I don't have any. I want some. And within a couple of days, I had them coming to the church saying, oh, we want to have service. We want to start a Filipino church. So I laid down some guidelines. You know, you you don't just come to me and tell me what you're going to (laughs) do. Like I said, I'm not a pastor. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. And then if you comply, well, then we will have a church. Well, since that point, I had to come home and uh, do deputation. We were here for less than a year. We did deputation, and then we were going back. We got back. They had grown from 4 to 17, 15, 17, and then they had one Bible study per week and a prayer meeting on a Saturday night, which was highly encouraged. When we got back, they got... uh, in the right frame of mind with the right motivation. And now as of our leaving, we have nine Bible studies in different locations going around the city of Bangkok, Chambury, and Patia. Every night of the week, there is something going on. I call them Bible study prayer groups because uh, I don't want them to think they're churches yet. There's a right time to designate them as a church. But all of these people from that international group, they come from different groups around the world. They all speak English. However, all of them thought they were saved until they met me. (laughs) You know, you got to get some people unsaved before you can get them saved. The thing is, they were all filled. They all had degrees. Some of them have two and three degrees. They all are intellects. They are all business people. They are all educators, scientists, etc. So you had to have an answer for them. So that challenged me from working with the third world illiterate to come back into the American mindset of ministerial activity uh, with the development of explaining to them the word in depth using Greek and Hebrew, etc. Now we've got them all converted and they're converting their own people on their own cells. This morning I got a message on Facebook. I like being Facebook one way, the other way. Uh, I don't care. You know, say what you want to say. You know, you've been saying it anyway. <laughs> but uh, I got Facebook with a message. While the people were worshiping, some received the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, that's the way it ought to be. We have developed altar workers, prayer warriors, seekers, and all this, that, and the other thing. When they were up in the upper room sitting down, the Holy Ghost fell on them. While Peter yet preached the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Come on, Paul asked them a question, and they said, well, we didn't get the Holy Ghost. He laid hands on them. They began to speak in tongues. We've made this to become a ritual rather than to be a spiritual thing to where God is in control. 
Okay? All right, that's just Bangkok. Uh, the Thai church we had revival with, and they had some Bible studies that uh, we helped them to start. And I kind of walked away from that because they got missionaries there. But then we went into Cambodia. Well, I went into Burma. I did Burma in March, April, and May. And then I said, I'm not coming back. I got too many other things to do. They're a nationalized church, and they were doing well. But they, they just, you know, love having me come back. Um, I don't know why, but, you know, it's an oppressed country, very oppressed. And I don't play with them. I don't care if you're oppressed or not. You're going to be a Christian. Uh-huh. Duh. You know, well, those poor little people over there, you got to go ahead and give them a lot of leeway. No, you don't. The Bible didn't give them leeway. Who am I to give them leeway when the Lord didn't? Amen? Oh, don't you want them all to come to America? No. Why? God had them to be born there. Who am I to change God's plan? He chose people to be born exactly where they were. And all of this encouraging people to leave there, come on over and have church here, is wrong. How in the world is the Lord going to have a people out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue? Where's that all going to be? The United States of America and all their other countries, all the countries that come out of go to hell? Because we have had misunderstood compassion? Let them be where they are and let them live and glorify God where they are. Amen? That's the way it ought to be. That's God's plan. I didn't see any... uh what do you call that? Repatriation or refugee status. I see that in the Bible. When the people of God were taken captive into another country, it wasn't because they were so good. It was because they were being punished. Amen. So we we did the, the first quarter with Burma and then uh, went into Cambodia. In Cambodia, we've had tremendous results. Places I would just send some of our pastors to go. 20 people get the Holy Ghost. Uh, a bunch of people get the Holy Ghost. I sat down with one book, the Bible. Can I borrow this? Thank you. I use my computer all the time. But I had my Bible with me. I sat down and I sat with 40 families. I said, we are going to use one book, and that's all we are going to do. And I says, I will open it up, and we will read it together. Of course, I'm reading in English. They're reading in Khmer. And I converted 40 families just by reading the word, not adding anything into it. When I finished the Bible study on repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and Holy Ghost, I said, what are you going to do? It's in the word. They said, we will obey. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Forty families were baptized in Jesus' name. They had received the Holy Ghost, but forty families, just by reading to them out of the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts 2, 8, 10, and 19. I didn't use anything else. Now, don't tell me it's so hard to give a Bible study because it's not. I just read to them the word and they said, yes, we will do this. So I had the national pastor baptize them. Well, why didn't you baptize them? You converted them because that's what national pastors are for. Amen. We're building a church, not a human kingdom. And then I, on the way to another Bible study we were going to go to, we couldn't make it. 
because the mud was knee deep. And further on down past the mud, the water was still waist deep on me. We, we, it was time at the end of the monsoon season. So there was a Baptist pastor right where we had to stop and turn our little truck around. And he says, well, why don't you come in and teach us? I want to know about this Holy Ghost thing. So once again, I said, we are going to use the Bible. We are not going to teach organizational things. We are going to stay in the Bible. I taught them about it, receiving the Holy Ghost. I, I, I could have taken advantage of them, but I didn't. I taught them about receiving the Holy Ghost, what the Bible says. Amen. John 3 and 5, John 7, 37 through 39, Acts 2, 8, 10 and 19. And they looked and I says, I think it's time we pray. Pastor, please lead the people to pray. He said, but he didn't have the Holy Ghost. Well, who said they had to have the Holy Ghost to pray to receive the Holy Ghost? Amen. They prayed. I gave him proper respect for who and what he is among his people. And he prayed. They prayed till they ran out of breath. My interpreter was ready to get up and just fire on. I said, sit there and be quiet. Wait. And that pastor stood up and he started walking. And mm, I mean, he was getting with it like we do. People are hungry out there. They asked me to come back and pray with them. Well, that was just before we came home, so I couldn't. But let me tell you something. God is doing a magnificent work. We have been in many countries. We have invitations that we can't fulfill. It's not because we're famous. It's just because we stay in the Bible. Uh-huh. I'm not an eloquent speaker. I'm straight speaking just like it is so people can understand. You will not misunderstand me. <laughs> just ask me a question. You'll get an answer. In the churches I, I, I oversee, I, I, I train the pastor. I convert people, uh, disciple them. And then I begin to train the ministry. And we have leadership training. And in our, our apartment, you've been there. In our apartment there, uh, we have leadership training on Friday nights. And it begins at a certain time. And it ends whenever it ends. Most of the time, it goes four and five hours on a Friday. People want to learn. We can't hardly keep people down for 30 minutes in a pew. Because you're already thinking about chilies. And Ole and Sonic and whatever else is out there. I hop and you hop and we all bebop. We're all we're all already have our plans for after church made, which we really shouldn't do. We should be here until God is through with us. Amen. That's why we are seeing things in Asia that you don't see here at home when you can see them at home. If you could ever feel your pastor's heart. All you have to do is pastor a little bit and you can feel his heart reaching to you to stay and to pursue and to seek and to feel after. But the NBA and the uh, baseball team and, and the Texans and, and the, the uh, Dallas Cow Cowboys. If they're not the Raiders and the Steelers, I'm not interested. <laughs> and really, I'm not interested anyway. But uh, 
Anyway, that, that's pretty much what's going on. But if we could really hang in there. See, we pray till we get tired. And then we figure that's the time to stop. No. I was in, we had a service in December just before uh, we had our Christmas party. And our Christmas party uh, uh, was excellent. We had, I don't know how many people, hundreds of people come. But we, we had uh, a service to where people, after I finished preaching about the Lord, not about what he can do for you, not about what you think he owes you, but about he himself, people begin to worship and then they begin to fall down on their face willingly. I didn't tell them to do a thing. I says, let's just worship God. They fell on their face in service, worshiping the Lord, weeping, crying out, rejoicing, some standing, some sitting, some bending over, some just prostrate on the floor, wailing before the Lord because of the beauty of his holiness. See, the word time... Time again, we mention holiness. Everybody goes, we put up this protective barrier. Don't you tell me how to dress. That's ignorant. I know the word's ignorant. Because holiness is the character of God. God is holy. I don't care how long your sleeves are and how long your hair is. If you got bitterness, you don't have holiness. You have defiled yourself and you cannot be holy without the Holy Ghost. Because it is a spiritual condition, not an outward demonstration. The outward demonstration is accurately called righteousness, but it's produced because of holiness. And we have gotten caught up in cliches and expressions to where people get a def- offensive and defend, you know, defend themselves. You know, if you're so right, why are you trying to defend yourself? Daniel chapter 5. I'm going to preach. I, I'm meddling there. But uh, I appreciate Brother and Sister Hughes. I'm so thankful for the labor of love that they do. Been through hell, hellfire. They meet the devil face to face, but if they could have, I think they would have won. But. Uh, All the stuff that the church has been through is only to bring you into the next dimension. Amen? And uh, we need to understand God has a plan. While you're turning to Daniel, the plan of salvation was God's. The process of salvation is our obedience. God had a plan to become man, to become to go to Calvary and to be buried and to rise again. That was a plan. That was his plan. The process is that we obey him and then repent and be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and then live a holy and a godly life. You know, 
Amen. Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. Wouldn't you like to have a ministry like that? Dissolving of doubts. Give me that one. <laughs> yeah. So many people doubt that they can make it. Whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. Verse 14, I have heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. Daniel chapter 6 verse 3, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. I want to talk to you tonight about excellence. I will not finish what I'm going to begin because there's not enough time uh, and all respect to everybody. But there's 10 steps in how to be excellent, but there are four major points in which I will address. The 10 steps are to be persistent, humble, focused, driven, instinctual, honest, selfless, confident, dutiful, determined. Without any of those things, you'll never exceed or excel in the desires of your heart. Reaching unto excellence. Excellence is a word we use pretty much haphazardly. We speak in the dimension of the superlatives all the time. Just go to Facebook, just read some of the publications, just read some of the uh, newsletters put out by this one, that one, and the other one. Everybody speaks in superlatives. Nobody speaks normal anymore. So the language of the superlatives, everything being awesome, magnificent, beyond, and, and all of these great, greatest, and greater things, all of these words have become meaningless because it has become the normal language. They are not grammatically used correctly. They are not used to express what is really meant anymore because we want to speak in the high superlative to seem to be more or doing more or excelling in things that we have not even considered what it takes to reach there. So we just speak it. And because we speak it, we think it will be done. But brothers and sisters, we have a lot to learn if we think just because we speak it, it's going to be done. It's doing that gets it done. You need to hear and you need to do. And you need to know before you can do. And we don't even know what the word excellence means anymore because our language has been so polluted and diluted by these grandoy speakers. Words of eloquence that leave you empty when you go home. Excellence is means exceptional, outstanding, so very exceedingly. This is not just passing the test, but doing better than usual. 
This is going above and beyond that which is exceptional. It's beyond exceptional. Most of the people live in these realms of life. Below normal, normal, average, above average, good, and better. That's where most of us live. I, I did a test with our leadership group there in Bangkok. And we have like, I forget how many leaders, but we, we got them. And, and I did a test and I said, be honest. And it was only me to see the answers. And I says, after teaching on this, where do you fit? They know when I say honesty comes to me, you don't fool with me. They do it. And they answered. Most of them said below normal, normal, and one said average. I am so thankful for their honesty. Because they begin to learn what the Bible says about what we can be. We quote scriptures. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And we can do it, but we don't. We like quoting the scriptures, but we don't like doing what it takes to be able to do. We have to actually exert emotional, spiritual, and physical energy to get into a dimension to motivate ourselves. We are always looking at pastor motivate me. He does when he preaches the word. Even if he doesn't get you excited, you ought to be motivated to do something about your life. Talk about being sick and tired about being sick and tired. We don't do anything about it, so we remain in a point to where we are below normal. And that's not God's fault. That's not the pastor's fault. And it's my fault for telling you. And I will accept every bit of the responsibility for what I'm going to say tonight because I'm going to try to help you to break out of this below normal, normal dimension of your life so you can break into what the vision of your pastor is for this next coming year that will change your life permanently and you won't have to worry about 2013. You'll just flow right into it without all these worries about New Year's revolutions. I know the word is resolution, but we don't keep them, so let's have a revolution. Let's have a revolution inside our heart, inside our mind. Let's have a revolution within ourselves so we can be different. Well, if I got to be different, that means I got to put off some things to put on. You got to do that anyway. You go to sleep, you put off your dress clothes, get in your pajamas. To go to work, you put off your pajamas to get into your dress clothes. But when it comes to the spiritual, oh my God, oh, I got to do this. Oh, we, we act like we're going through some kind of tra trauma. Uh huh. It's because we have been accustomed to being babied. I had so many people mad at me in Asia last year. For about the first six months, God told me, I'm not babying you anymore. 
You're going to grow up and you're going to straighten up. And you're going to fly right. And if you don't, I'm going to be on you like a drill instructor is on a dumb recruit that refuses to do. I am going to motivate you and get you going to where you will want to do it just to get away from me. All of a sudden, they find that breakthrough, pray through, and they get filled with the Holy Ghost all over again. And then they, they say, look at what I've done. Pastor, I finally broke through. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> you know, you, you just smile and go on. We need to have the dimension that the few live in. Best, great, exceptional, or excellent. An Old Testament example, as I gave to you, Daniel. Daniel is an amazing example of excellence. The Bible said he was excellent. It gave us the particulars in which he was excellent. But then the thing about this that grasped me so much about some of these Old Testament characters is that they were real living people who did not have the Holy Ghost. But yet they did exploits that were beyond what we do. Somewhere in the book of Daniel, I think it says, well, I know it says, they that do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. When we conquer ourselves and our fears, then we can do great exploits. We need to take fear and embrace it and hold it and strangle it until it just dissipates and die in our life. Stop running from fear that is trying to take you prisoner, but capture the fears in your life and hold them and kill them with the power of the Spirit and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Make the Word of God real in your life. Stop living below the expectations of God in your life. It's not pleasing to Him. Well, I'm not sinning. No. But when God's not pleased, I am afraid. You ever suffer for doing right? Yeah, you're right. I've been kicked out of countries. You know, some of my, my converts in Vietnam, they have written me emails several times this year. Uh, we're lawyers now. If you have problems, we'll get you in. You never know who you're going to convert as a young man. You never know who's going to be on your side later on down the road. You better treat people right. Amen. The, the, the thing of it is, is we look at living for God is coming to church. Oh. I live for God, I go to church. That's why we live below normal. It's what you do outside these doors. It's what takes in, you take in from the ministry of your pastor, through the ministry of the music, through the ministry of the prayer. I so enjoyed being with you in praying that night. There was no pressure to perform. Just pray. I could just pray. Do you know how many churches allow that? Probably only one that's apostolic. And I don't know how many of them really allow it anymore. 
We need to understand. We need the liberty to pray. Because there's some things that I only want to talk to God about. I don't want to talk to the pastor. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. And really, I don't want to talk to me. So I'll just talk to God. I'm talking about coming out of the below normal I'm talking about coming out of the average. I'm talking about coming about, well, you're doing great. Yeah, yeah, I am. And then you stop doing. We need to stop complimenting each other to make each other feel good. And we need to just go ahead and keep our mouth quiet and just go ahead and say, brother, I'm praying for you and pray. We say, I'm praying for you. A bunch of Pentecostal go hokers. Go hoke is the Thai word mean liar. We tell people we're going to pray for them. We don't even think about it after we said it. We got to break out of that. We really must break that cliche. We must break that expression. And we must begin to do it. We need to stop using expressions and start putting our words into actions. We need to live it. We need to do it. We need to be it to where it just flows normally. It is not an abnormal thing we do. In Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. These people without the Holy Ghost. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Here Daniel is in captivity. And in his captivity he had every reason and every excuse if he wanted to, to backslide. Oh, woe is me, I'm not at home. Woe is me, I got the pains and I groan. Woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Oh, boring. Some of us need to man up. Stop crying your wife. He picking, he picking up on me tonight. If I'm picking on you tonight, blame God. I don't know you. If you read my notes, you'll see how much I don't know you. (laughs) Daniel was a man of purpose, number one. He would not defile himself with the king's meat. He had a reason to live, not just to exist in captivity. He did not know his future. But he determined within his heart he was going to please God. His loyalty to God was expressed in his separation from the world. Silence. Like my round glasses. They're funny looking, I know. But they help me see. Are you determined to please God? Are you determined to please God? See, Jay preached something not last Wednesday. We were in Austin with Gail's dad the Wednesday before about doing what it takes and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I appreciate that. But part one to that is God chooses you. Then you can choose to do 
God chooses you. And he chooses how you're going to serve him. See, we have developed a thinking that I will serve God this way, that way, and this way, and forget the rest. No, he chooses how you will serve him. And then serving him within the parameters that he has set up, which is within righteous conduct and in a holy spirit. Creating me, O oh God, a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. Even the apostles had to be renewed and refilled with the Holy Ghost. Just read the book of Acts chapter 4. We need to be renewed on a consistent basis to stay in tune with God so we can hear the voice of the Spirit, so we can know that we are serving Him, that we do have a purpose to live, and do we have a separation from the world. The world is constantly deceiving, trying to suck you in, trying to suck you dry, and trying to bleed you of every bit of life that's in you. You go down the highways and you turn on the radio, and sometimes you just want to sit in silence. Amen. There's sometimes that are good things and sometimes there are bad things, but do you have a purpose in life? Come on, think. Come on, think. Come on, do you have a purpose in life? What is your purpose in life? Can you write it down right now immediately? Can you do that? Well, I, I, I know I do. I must have because I'm here. I'm living. I'm breathing. No, do you have a purpose in life? What has God designated that you do? See, this takes some searching of the heart. This takes some seeking after God. Seek my face. Oh, he tells us to seek you, the Lord, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And we begin to seek the face of the Lord. And we get into his presence. And we worship him in the beauty of holiness. We are able to discern what he has put in our heart of how we will serve him and the way to go about it. But what is your purpose in life? Brother, you're not retired. You're just resting right. You're not through. There's no such thing. There is no discharge in this war. Young men need to be guided. Most of the people in our Filipino church, our international, I should call it an international church. I've been in the church longer than they have been alive. Do I have a bunch of kids so I can intimidate them? No, I have a bunch of young people that have degrees so I can train them so I can move on. Amen. I don't stand back. I don't get involved in their personal life. I told the pastor one day, I said, that's your job, not mine. But, but, but help. Nope. I taught you and gave you the tools how to find out the help. You need to seek God for yourself. You need to give God, give them the answers that you get from God. If you want to clear them through me before you give to them, that's fine. But somewhere along the line, you need to find your purpose in ministry, your purpose of why God called you and where you belong in the ministry. When I train ministers, where are you? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. If you don't know, then you're not graduating. Anybody want to come to my Bible school? Huh? And after I teach on these ministries, they really don't want to be apostle prophets. Everybody wants to be them because they don't understand them. 
But what's your purpose in life? Do we really have Bible answers for our purpose in life? What's the meaning of your life? Let me throw this in. It's not my notes, but it's in my heart. Has been for years. Does my life glorify God? Does my life justify the sacrifice on Calvary? Those are not light words. What I do, think, feel, plan for, does that glorify the Lord? Is my life a worship unto the Lord? I don't come to church to worship. I come to church. I really, I am the church. And so are you. We are members in particular. We come to the meeting in this building together that we would glorify and honor the Lord verbally and spiritually together. But do I glorify God on my job? Do I glorify Him as I am shopping? Do I justify the sacrifice of Calvary by my meaning of life? I've studied some about Buddhism. I've told some Buddhists that I'm Buddha. Everybody thinks Buddha's fat and bald and dumpy. No, most of them are skinny, deplete of good health, and in need of a good bath because they do believe in living Buddhas. The fat ones are one Japanese one. He's the happy dude with all the money. That's why they like him. And the Chinese fat guy. I'm talking about big old round guy. All these kids around him. Health, wealth, prosperity, and longevity. And uh, I tell them, I'm Buddha. In Buddhism, they're looking for the meaning of life. They're looking for truth. They're looking for the light. I know the meaning of life. I know the purpose of life. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. That's your purpose in life. I'll finish it. I know the way because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. I know the light because I have been enlightened. I have been illuminated. I have revelation. So I am filled with light. So I'm a Buddha. And they don't know how to deal with it. But we have the answer. We're always so insecure with what we don't know, why don't we start reviewing what we do know so that we can expand upon what we do know to be able to know more. Because my meaning of life is to fear God.
fear God, have so much respect and love for Him that my praise is an adoration. My songs of worship are adoration and worship to where it gets to be a point to when I come to a situation to where I am tempted. I do not fail. Because I love him so much. I run from temptation. Fear the Lord. We think that's that dog fear. You get down, you cower, and you're running back, and your knees are knocking. No, it's I have so much respect for the Lord, and I love him so much, and I care about what he thinks so much that when I am tempted, I refuse to do because it is God first, and his thoughts first, and his holiness first, and his purity first, and I will not defile what good he put inside of me. Because I love Him, I fear Him, I respect Him, I adore Him. He is my Lord and my God. I have a purpose in life. And it's to serve Him and worship Him in the beauty of holiness in my daily life. It's not here with a suit. I wear a suit once or twice a year. And that's usually when I come here. I preach in sneakers and work boots and blue jeans and short shirts. And when we get visitors, I got to dress up. Because y'all be offended, not me. Definitely not the poor people where we are. Isaiah 43, 10 through 12 gives you another purpose or another meaning for your life. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, my my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. And before me there is no God for me, neither shall there be after me. God said, you can know me. You can have a revelation of God. The reason why we don't have revelation of God is because we don't seek him. We don't ask him to reveal yourself to me. I walk into places and I say, give me three scriptures on the oneness of the Godhead. And Deuteronomy 6 to, uh, six and 4 doesn't count. Because we've got our Pentecostal ones down. Bang, bang, bang. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Timothy 3.16, and John 1 and 1 and 1 and 14. Nope. No, don't give me those. Give me real oneness scriptures. And I go, well, which ones do you want? Try in the beginning God. <laughs> Ain't nobody else. I, I did something with somebody the other day up in Austin. Uh, I says, uh, God doesn't know something. God knows everything. I says, no, he doesn't. He even said he doesn't know everything. Well, where does he say that? In Isaiah. I do not know another God. Ooh. Ooh. These are not quick questions. These are things we should know. Things that should live within us. Because we are His people. And He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And there is no reason why we should not know Him. Somebody who's done so much for you. I guarantee you if... uh... Man, I don't even know anybody anymore. Give me a second. Man, I can't think. I don't know any sports players anymore. Michael Jordan, he's out of business. If Michael Jordan gave you a million dollars, would you want to go to his house and say thank you? 
Would you read up on him and study, see what he likes, so you could show some form of appreciation? Uh-huh. What, what, what about that MMA dude, that, that one that's always getting knocked out, but everybody likes him because he began it? You know who I mean, that, that old dude. He's 40-something. Yeah, I'm 63, and he's an old dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, here we are looking into these people's lives and researching them and all of that when we have the greatest revelation of the greatest personality that this world has ever known. And it's God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament. There is personality and relationship with God. And it is our responsibility that if we are going to excel to know Him, to believe Him, and to understand Him. We have a purpose in life, and that is to seek God and to know Him. So well, God won't show me I'm nobody. You are born again of water and spirit. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen people. You have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light, not into His marvelous fog. In light, you can see, I am the way. Thy words a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. I am the way. You follow the Lord, He will lead you, but He will lead you right to Himself. We are afraid of God because we think so little of ourselves. Because we have been living below normal. But if we could ever get in tune and in touch with Him and see what He thinks about you, what He thinks about what He's done in your life, how pleased He is with His workmanship, we will develop a purpose to serve Him, to love Him, to honor Him, just because He is God. We won't be looking for the world for approval. I'm not sending letters to Santa Claus. I'm not sending letters to anybody in this world. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Your life has a purpose to be full of power. Stephen, full of faith, full of power. He wasn't even a preacher. But he preached one of the greatest messages in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And they loved it so much they had dinner with him. They started to bite and chew on him. They were so angry and hostile. And then they decided to stone him. But the Bible says he was full of faith. Full of power. Paul had power. We all want to be like Paul. Well, you really don't. How long can you tread water? You know, how many stripes can you take? We, we want to be like the Paul that doesn't suffer. There is no such thing. We're all going to suffer. But nonetheless, Paul, Peter, James, John, we begin to read in the scriptures the things that these people have done. And God is the respecter of no persons. If you seek the Lord and submit to Him, you can have power. But if you seek God for power only, your motive is wrong. 
You seek it for pride and arrogance so you can walk around there. I have great power of God. Well, read that in the scripture and you'll find out what happened to those people. You won't want it to happen to you. Don't let evil people stop you from doing what you can be doing. Amen? Do I need to repeat that? Well, who's evil? Anybody that tries to stop you from doing what you should be doing. Really? Well, who's good? Everybody that encourages you. Encouragement is not a pat on the back. A pat on the back is a compliment and a pat on the back. Encouragement is telling you to keep going the way you're going. We don't look up what words mean anymore because we're too lazy. We just, they'll go ahead and, oh, that, that's the way the world, that's what it means. Just like the word believe, oh, that's what it is, mental agreement. No, it isn't. Believe is doing after you know what to do. All you need to do is study the Bible. We need to have a purpose in our life of holiness. God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. But as he which has called you is holy, so you be holy in all manner of your lifestyle. For it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. You want a purpose in life? Be holy. Be righteous. Be faithful. I told you, bro, where you at? You go. Raise your hand. Uh, there you are. I told you the song got me. That added to the lesson. This is just purpose. Uh, I better check what time. Whoops. I got 10 minutes. Okay. How is it possible to fulfill your purpose in life? Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel chapter 6, verses 11, or 10 and 11. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Reason why I jumped to chapter 6 is because without prayer, chapter 1 would not have been recorded the same way as it is written today. Because it says, as he did aforetime. Daniel prayed before he was taken prisoner. Daniel prayed while he was in the prison house. And Daniel prayed continuously. Daniel was a man of prayer. We must pray. The Lord Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. When you pray. We begin to read the scripture and some people think praying is just saying what you got to say and it's done and over with. That is not prayer. How, Jay Howard, your wife, she's Yankee, so I know how she'd take it. How'd she like it if all you had to say was what you had to say and that was the law and that was it and there was no more and she had no input. That relationship would not be so sweet for long. Mm-hmm. Right, Jill? Mm-mm, Nick ain't going to say all the words. You're going to have your say. Well, God wants his say. And when you pray, it brings you into a spiritual position 
of being in harmony with God so that he is able to impart what he would like to say to you. And we need to be spiritually sensitive, discerning the spirit of the Lord speaking to us to where we can know in prayer what's going on. Daniel was totally dependent upon God, especially because of the conditions in which he lived. It was idolatry. Every place he looked, idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. That's how he ended up in the lion's den. That's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego landed up in the furnace. Idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. We don't look at this America as being idolatry, but it is. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. Anything that stands there and it's in your mind, first and foremost, it's an idol. I just replaced the leader because they turned to an old sinner friend for help rather than to obey the pastor. That you're not leading anymore. You didn't turn to God. You didn't listen to your pastor. You out. Wait till I get back. We are going to deal with this. You say that's, that's strong. Leaders are an example of what to do right. And when we look to the world for wisdom and understanding and knowledge and how to conduct our Christian life, we are wrong. We are going to fall into error. We need to turn to God. We need to turn to the pastor. We need to turn to the Word of God. We need to be people of prayer so when God speaks, we know. How are you ever going to get the gifts of the Spirit in your life? Everybody wants tongues and interpretation. I almost wish that that wasn't there. Because everybody thinks, because I spoke to tongues and interpretation, I'm real spiritual. Woo-hoo. Did you hear me give tongues tonight? Woo. Did you hear that interpretation I gave? Yeah, well, where's the power of the working of miracles? Where's the discerning of spirits? Come on. Huh? Yeah, where's the gifts of healings? Oh, well, you know, when, you know, when Brother Haney was sick, I started Facebooking. <laughs> Where's these prophets, these healers of the invisible diseases? Why can't they heal a visible disease? Talking like that's not going to gain you any friends. I'm not looking to gain friends. I'm looking to get people saved. Amen. We need to understand there's some things God doesn't tolerate. But as long as we put up with it, God say, go ahead, live with it. And you say, well, why is this monkey on my back? Why is this clown running around shooting off his mouth? The rapture's already happened. Rapture hadn't happened. How do I know? I'm here. I don't know about you, but I'm here. <laughs> Come on. No, we need to understand the rapture did not happen because we are not appointed unto wrath. And it does not matter what somebody else says because the Bible says you're living under the realm of the Antichrist. I'm not. And don't you dare call Obama the Antichrist. He's just the president. I got a bunch of Republicans here. 
I did that in a friend of mine's church in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, Vernon Bright, all black church. I stood up there. Bro, I, I'm a, I love everybody. They're, they're in a racist bone in my body. I stood up there. And he's known me. He, matter of fact, he drove me to the church when I got the Holy Ghost that night. But so we've been friends for, I don't know, since 73. And uh, I stood in his church. And he says, man, I got problems. I says, what? And he told me. I says, okay, folks, before I begin to preach to you tonight, I'm going to tell you something. It's the truth. And I'll stand on it. Obama's not the Antichrist. Relax. Praise the Lord right now. And they looked at me and said, I'm serious. He's not the Antichrist. Can't be. It's impossible. Because the Antichrist won't be revealed until the church is gone. Amen. And when the church is gone, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Uh-uh. But anyway, let me get back to my point. We need to be dependent on God when we pray. We are dependent upon God. We need to learn to submit unto the Lord. We know how to pray. But we only, need to, we only know what we want to know. We need to pray, Lord, lead me to pray. When you empty your mouth and your head and you get your heart all out there and you got nothing else to say, the next word should be, Lord, lead me to pray. I'm talking about reaching unto excellence. Purpose, prayer. When you have a purpose in life and you know your purpose in the church, you know your purpose in life, and you are praying continuously, faithfully, then you become a person, a man, a woman of spiritual and biblical perception. This means you have a keen awareness of what is right and what is light. See, some of you jump the gun and say, what's right and what's wrong? You're going to help preach me. No, you're not. It's what's right and what is light. God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. We are able through purpose of serving God, of prayer, coming unto the Lord and submitting to Him to have a depth of spiritual perception to where we discern. We don't need the discerning of spirits for this. We need this just to have a right relationship with God that would protect us from that which is trying to deceive us. And we have a keen awareness of what is spiritually right. Keen, keen, sharp, clear awareness of what is God. But I do promote that you go and seek God for discerning of spirits. And then what is biblically right? That is why all these false prophets are getting away with everything that they can and emptying your pockets and your, your treasuries because we don't know the Bible. Jeremiah and Isaiah dealt with them pretty straight. We're, we're afraid to deal with them. You know, I teach on the ministry a lot. And you don't find a lot about the prophets in the New Testament. But you find a lot about them in the Old Testament. Well, why isn't there much said about them in the New Testament? Because the ministry of the prophet hasn't changed. It's just continued on. And we have tried to make it to be these dudes get up there and go, blah, 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 everything about your past. We need to be spiritually keen and aware that they don't know my past. 
a sorcerer or one who deals with familiar spirits might know my past. But they're not going to know my future. A prophet gives direction to the church. A prophet walks in a spiritual dimension that is special unto the Lord as the apostle does. But he doesn't flag it and wave it over your head to empty your pockets, nor do they take up their own offerings. It's amazing how many people are disappointed in Benny Hinn because he ran off with, what's that lady's name out there in Florida? White something. I don't know, one of these famous charismatic things. Her and her husband got divorced because she was running around Benny Hinn. And how, how many of our people don't raise your hand? Because I hope nobody here looking at that guy. I met a guy that says, I knew Benny Hinn before he had an accent. You'd be surprised who you meet when you're traveling around the world. And we have been around the world a few times. <laughs> you know, uh, people know people. And it eventually catches up to him. And here Benny Hinn goes ahead and has an affair. It's all over YouTube. And people act like, well, it was just a failing and a misgiving. Let me tell you something. It's a failure because a lot of people that followed him were disappointed and we can't speak to them. But they still send money to him. That's deception. We need to stay in the word and pray for our pastor that he would give us the word of God. That I would know and understand and that I would not be deceived and that I could walk in the accuracy of the word and live my life accurately before the Lord and that I could read the word and God would open up my understanding that I might understand the scriptures. Come on, we need to pray. Open my understanding that I might understand the Scriptures. I don't want to be deceived. I had one guy tell me, he says, I don't believe people can get the Holy Ghost until they're baptized in Jesus' name. I said, I guess I didn't get the Holy Ghost. He goes, "Um, well, I know you have the Holy Ghost. I said, I got it before I was baptized in Jesus' name. He goes, uh, <laughs> what about Acts 2.38? I says, it didn't say what happened first to the population. We know what happened to the apostles. But when we get to Acts chapter 10, they got the Holy Ghost. And then they were baptized. Come on. Well, we, we, we need to stay in the Word and keep the Word accurate. The Word balances itself out. The Word answers its own questions. And there are some questions which a lot of people don't like that are not going to be answered. They just don't like it. You know, I gave you a question that I had uh, today. That there's no biblical answer for it. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's endless questions. But nonetheless, there was a question that came up. We need to be people of perception so we are not deceived. There are many deceiving spirits, and you mentioned it this morning. There's many voices in the world, and each one of them has a signature. They speak to you. They deceive you. They work on you. They work on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. 
That's why they get away with what they get away with because it makes you feel good. But when you get a preacher up here talking about God and the glory of God and the holiness of God and the righteousness of God, you're back there saying, oh, I wish he would hurry up and get it done. But when he's talking about you getting rich and prosperity coming your way and getting a raise on your job and a bigger house and a newer car and a fancy motorcycle and an airplane and everything else that you want, you're saying, preach it, brother preach it. Why? Because it's working on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And we need to be spiritually perceptive enough to know when the Spirit speaks to the church. Give me ears to hear what the Spirit speaks to the church. Purpose. Power. Power's next. Purpose. Perception. Purpose. Prayer. All of them fit and they're interwined, but they were exemplified in Daniel's life. We need power to say no. We just need to say no. Well, what if the answer is yes? You know exactly what I mean. You're playing games with the wrong guy. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. And when something comes our way and we are spiritually perceptive enough to know we are being tempted or somebody is coming against us with wrong scriptures, we need to know the answer is no. I will not be entrapped by a debate into nothingness. There are people that will try to get us to answer questions that there are no answers to. There are people that will try to twist the scripture to get us into a point of where we don't know what we're doing anymore. You'd be surprised how many times I've had to go to different Bible study groups down there in Chambury or Padia because these people come in and they've got a spirit of tearing it up. I've come tear up this group. I've come to take you, challenge you, tear you up, and make you my own. And I come walking in and say, okay, what's the problem? Oh, there's no problem, pastor. So don't call me pastor. Okay, what do we call you? Bobby. Why did I say that? Because it puts down all these religious barriers, knocks them down. And here, I'm going to talk to you. Get your Bible and show me where it says God the Son. You can't do it. Show me where you've got more authority than I. They can't because the Bible doesn't do that. Show me where somebody was baptized Saying three titles. Why don't you use the other? You said it the other day. The other titles. I do that all the time. We need to be bold. And humble. We need to be strong. And submitted. We need to be pure. And holy. In the sight of God. And stand strong. And true. In the power of his might. Because. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We have spiritual power that we have not tapped into. 
you haven't tapped into it. I got these ignorant savages of former idolaters. They don't know anything or half as much as you do. A Sunday school teacher here would be more than what some of them could handle in, over, in education. And you get them worshiping God. And they're worshiping the Lord. Because I teach on oneness. I teach on the revelation of God. I teach on the, there is no God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament. He's God. He doesn't change. Progressing in revelation. But here, you begin to talk and teach about God. They stand and worship. And in the congregation, everybody gets healed. People without the Holy Ghost receive the Holy Ghost. People that never knew that they had sin get convicted of sin. Say, well, when I was a Buddhist, I didn't know I had sin. That's right. You were in darkness and darkness tries to hide sin from you. But the light is coming to your life. We need to have power in the spirit right here in service when we meet. It's not impossible. We quote, well, with God all things are possible. Well, why, why is it impossible? Well, we can't do that. Why not? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You know why? Because in me is this barrier. In me, there is this block. I am so accustomed to living in the realm of below average or below normal or normal or just I can't do. And I'm so weak and I'm so, you know, stop putting yourself down. I am what I am by the grace of God. I am not a sinner saved by grace. Well, what are you now? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh-huh. How can I be a sinner saved by grace if I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus? If I've been born again of water and spirit and I'm new, behold, all things are new. And the old man passed away. He's dead and buried under the blood. How can I be a sinner saved by grace? That sinner died. That sinner was buried. And that sinner doesn't live anymore. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. What do you think about yourself in that dimension? We need to stop letting the radio preachers tell us we are not who we are. R.W. Shambach. I don't even know if he's still alive. Do you know who I Man, he, he, he could talk and get you going. And next thing you know, he's talking about bizarre stuff. Let me tell you something, people. In order to become exceptional, to become excellent, it's impossible without a purpose. It's impossible without a prayer life. It's impossible without spiritual and biblical perception. Because we're talking about excellence in the kingdom of God. It's impossible without spiritual power and power over yourself. We want power over diseases, but we won't control our human emotions and flesh. We need power over ourselves. But it is possible to be a person of excellence. In your, in your 
in your God-given purpose. You need to ask God, what's your purpose in life? It is possible to be a person of excellence with your consistent prayer life. Not a haphazard when I come to church on Wednesday. Brother Hughes preaches me under conviction and I got to pray. Yeah, you pray. And you pray that conviction off and you go out the door and behave the same way you came in. I've taught these leaders and these pastors, when you preach a church under conviction, send them home. Do not have an altar call. Send them home. Let them live with that conviction all day long. And that evening when they come to church, they will be so hungry for God because they lived under that conviction all day long. They didn't get a chance to pray it away and get it off them so they can go back out and do what they had intended to do anyway. Send them home. I'm giving you some of my secrets of how to get people saved. We need to know how to get people saved and stay saved. It is possible to be a person of excellence with spiritual power and power over yourself. For with God, nothing is impossible. Let's stand.